Welcome back to the last uh, episode of Fins in the Sea for the 2021 NFL football season. In case you can't uh, guess from the intro, um, got a lot to talk about today. Not a lot, actually. Just one thing. But before we get to that, of course, I want to just say once again, thank you to FL Teams. FLTeams.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Florida sports news, needs and notes, um, anything baseball, basketball, football, hockey, college, pro, you name it, we got you covered over to flteams.com with a lot of great articles, photography, and uh, podcasts such as this. So um, make sure you stay tuned in. Uh, Football season may be done, but there's still plenty of sports going on. Um, Also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, who helps make this all possible? Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports uh, that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol has blended uh, sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest and profit from your uh, favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts. Uh, when your team wins. So join the already 6,000 plus early adopters who have started to profit off of their sports knowledge. Visit www.symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Or you can visit the link in the description um, to create a free account. And when you do so, when you make your first deposit, please make sure that you use the promo code FLTEAMS for a $10 deposit bonus. That'll help you start to build your portfolio. So, Fins Nation, man, where to begin? Um, Today is traditionally known as Black Monday around the NFL, and, um, you know, we found out why. So, um, you know, I'll recap a little bit of the Dolphins game yesterday. It was great to uh, sweep the Patriots for the season, make sure that they didn't have any chance of winning the division, even though Buffalo won, which would have locked it up for them anyway. Um, anytime you can go 2-0 against Bill Belichick and the Evil Empire is always a good time. So, um, you know, silly Dolphin fans, we thought this would be our, uh, you know, our take a deep breath, relax, and uh, cruise into the off season, and stuff wouldn't get crazy until it became time for free agency. Boy, were we wrong. So, um, for anyone who wasn't living under a rock and is a Dolphins fan, this morning as, you know, the expected firings came down, uh, the Minnesota Vikings parting ways with Zimmerman, um, or for Zimmer, uh, Matt Nagy being gone in Chicago. Of course, everybody already knew about Urban Meyer, Nick Fangio being gone in Denver. And as those started to mount up, um, the one shocking one that seemed to send ripple, ripples across the NFL uh, landscape was... Brian Flores being relieved of his coaching duties in Miami after three seasons. So, um, let's try to unpack that a little bit, I guess. When I first saw it, I was shocked. Um, I was taken back. Um, It didn't make sense to me. Um, Well, the first thing I thought was, okay, well, we must have already got a deal set up with Harbaugh. We know that Ross loves his Michigan guy. Um, you know, Jim's probably on a plane to South Beach right about now, 
But um, once Ross stepped up to the podium to talk about the decision this morning, it became pretty clear that Harbaugh is not on the radar. Now, not naive. NFL owners lie. That's what they do, um, especially to the media. So, you know, could it still happen? Maybe, but I, I don't see it as really being the possibility. You know, um, the other thing that really hit me here was, you know, wow, you know, you win eight of your last nine games, finish with your second straight winning season in Miami, and you get fired. So I'll readily admit to each and every one of you guys that that was a surface-level reaction for me. So I'm glad that there wasn't a knee-jerk reaction for me to jump on and say all sorts of bad things about the organization and Ross and Greer and everybody else and how wrong Flores has been. And, and look, I'll preface the rest of this with saying that I don't know any more right now than I knew uh, this morning. The only difference is now you, you get some sources that come out and folks who are kind of a peek behind the curtain. And, you know, I, I think one of the things I enjoyed about um, Flores was that he was sort of a no-nonsense sort of coach. Uh, I liked the way that he approached press, approached, uh, press conferences. I liked the way that his focus was solely on getting better for the next game. He didn't play the media game the way that Gase tried to before him. Um, and, you know, of course, he seemed a little gruff and just professional and to the point. But, you know, he came from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, so you, you sort of um, assumed that that was going to be the case. Um, and, you know, I guess love it or hate it. But when we dig a little deeper than that, I mean, this all comes down to a great article um, that I read today and, you know, many other side notes that came across about this, which, you know, painted this very clearly. This this wasn't a move made because of Brian Flores's coaching ability. It wasn't. Uh, I don't think anybody can uh, inside NFL circles, even you know, uh, in the office down in Davie, Florida. I don't think anybody there can really put a knock on what Flores was able to produce in the three years, especially given the roster and some of the liabilities and limitations that he had. Um, but it does go deeper than that. One thing that, that Ross mentioned right away was, you know, uh, there has to be communication and collaboration. And, uh, you know, especially moving into an off season, it's going to be a tremendous amount of cap space, a ton of young talent. So, you know, there, there does have to be. Successful NFL franchises have a three-headed monster at the top that all have one vision, one goal, and um, they move toward that. And if for some reason one part of that's broke, the whole system breaks. So I say all of that with a, a lot of eye-opening things have come out. And again, I'm not going to you know state any of this as fact. It's all just stories that trickle through. And um, like most any, um, I'm sure, uh, whether it's the end of a relationship, a marriage, a job, there's always two sides to every story, and the truth usually lies somewhere within the middle. But I will say that I was, um, I was a little shocked to hear some of the things that, that I did, you know, namely that um, pretty much Flores was never on board with Tua from the very beginning. Um, you know, I'm sure at least half of Dolphins Twitter will be happy to hear that uh, Flores was one of the guys that wanted Herbert instead of Tua as well. But in a, uh, 
two to one vote between Ross, Greer, Greer and Flores um, to a, you know, one out. So, um, so I understand, and that makes a lot more sense now when you look back at the handling of Tua. Um, not that I always thought it was bad. I didn't think Tua was ready to start right away. Um, I think sitting behind Fitzpatrick made a lot of sense. Um, but it did get a little odd once they inserted him into the game and then would bench him and pull him out for Fitzpatrick to come in in the fourth quarter um, and to, you know, uh, basically try to pull these games out. The way that there was, uh, namely, that everyone spoke about two playbooks, you know, one for Fitzpatrick and the starters and one for Tua. It sounds like Flores never truly had Tua's, you know, he didn't think Tua was the answer to this from the beginning, which I can understand that's got to be very frustrating for your head coach, especially in the NFL, because if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a team, basically. Um, so I can understand the frustration of not having control over that. I don't um, understand some of the reactions and how things appeared to have been handled because of that. Um, you know, um, we're just talking about Tua in this situation in the quarterback, you know, but uh, it's come out a little further that a lot of what I um, swore up and down that folks uh, that were Dolphins fans were just making it up, that Tua was healthy enough to play early in the season, um, could have suited up, and that was a Flores decision to hold him back and instead roll out Jacoby Brissett. Um, I don't think anyone in any NFL circle anywhere is going to tell you that Jacoby Brissett gives the Dolphins a better chance to win than Tua would have. Um, so that, I think, is, is one key that you're seeing there to just sort of that stubbornness um, and wanting to be right in the situation. Um, also, on top of that, turns out everything that we heard through the media, or at least I did, was that Stephen Ross was the one who was really pushing this Deshaun Watson thing. Well, now it comes out, and again, you know, we'll hear more, I'm sure. Flo, Flo handled himself as a professional, at least with the media. I don't expect to see him coming out with any kind of tell-all or bashing anything. But it comes out more and more now that, um, you know, Flo was the one driving that train. And that ultimately, that could have been what ended up, you know, leading us to where we, we were today. Um, that, you know... Flores wanted to make an all-in push toward Deshaun. Of course, Chris Greer wasn't going to be on board right away because of the draft capital that was going to be given up. And then, of course, Stephen Ross behind it, wondering um, what that was going to mean for the franchise. And it turns out they're the ones who stepped aside from it. So then it almost kind of makes you wonder, um, you know, how did the Dolphins end up in this conversation and how did this become the quote-unquote distraction that it was um, in the middle of the season unless you had somebody pushing that narrative and the way that this is all falling down I think we'd be naive to not stop and ask ourselves was Flores pushing the narrative was this Flores um, you know in his own passive-aggressive way putting out there that the Dolphins were making this play for Watson um, he never took a stand behind Tua um, you know he never uh, you know, he just sidestepped the questions as they went on. I think it led to a lot of uncertainty. I don't think that's what caused a seven-game skid in the middle of the season. 
you know, but that kind of goes to my other part is, you know, maybe as Dolphin fans, we have become mired in this mediocrity so much that, you know, as a fan base, and even I see the national media outcry, you know, that, you know, what are we doing? You know, why is Flores back out on the market? Why wouldn't we keep Flores? Okay, he had two winning seasons, and I'll give you that. It's the first time it's happened in Miami in 20 years. But we didn't make the playoffs in either one of those. And the argument can fully be made that we regressed this year. Um, you know, of course, the, the first tank for two a year, nobody expected anything to bring out five wins, and that was an outstanding job. Um, last year, finishing 10-6, and six, one game out of the playoffs, and then this year falling back to 9-8. Um, and eight. So you're, um, you know, that, uh, that's a step backwards. And again, missing the playoffs by one game. And when you look back at a lot of different things throughout the season, you can see a lot of questionable coaching decisions that were made, um, a lot of uh, poor time management. There were a lot of things that, um, mostly on the offensive side of the ball, that really just looked um, out of sync all year long. Um, I think, you know, from what is at least being said behind closed doors is, that Flores rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I get it. You don't have to be likable to win. I understand that. Sometimes being too likable can be an inversion to winning. But when you've got multiple people throughout uh, the organization that seem to be having that same feeling, I mean, if we look at in three years in Miami, we've had four different offensive coordinators. Um, and that's, you know, a telling sign in itself three offensive line coaches. Um, the positional coaches never seemed to stick around, especially on the offensive side. Um, there was never anything that was, that was showing that people were going to stay to this. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to the way that, that um, maybe the coaches felt or how they were treated. Um, one of the uh, stories that also came back out is how um, after a, a preseason game, George Godsey, I guess, made some questionable calls that Flores didn't like in the game plan and literally took the uh, play calling duties away from Godsey uh, early on to such a point that it ended up Chris Greer had to intervene between the two um, to patch, you know, whatever riff was there. And then you hear also for the last three weeks of the season that Greer and Flores didn't communicate at all. So if that's the situation, you can't move forward with that head coach. You can't go into an off season where you are going to have cap room and roster decisions are going to have to be made and your general manager and your head coach aren't on the same page, right? And a lot of people will go back and say, oh, well, look at all the things that we missed on in the draft with Greer. So why does Greer get a pass? Well, truth be told is, is you know, we're being a lot harder on Greer in this situation than we are Flores. When you look back at the hits and misses, um, I, I, you know, look at the young core that we have built right now in Miami and how many of those folks have come in under Chris Greer's watch. Um, you know, from the defensive side alone, Javon Holland, um, uh, Brandon Jones, Christian Wilkerson, Raquan Davis. Um, you look at free agent signings and Emmanuel Ogba. You look at, um, you know, 
other moves that were made. And, you know, offensive line, yeah, it's been a big question mark. Um, but let's also go back and remember that, you know, in this uh, Chris Greer world of drafting, Jerome Baker, um, there's been so many folks, Gasicki, um, that have been brought in who are valuable pieces to this puzzle. And that's not even counting this year when you go with Jalen Waddell, Jalen Phillips, and Javon Holland. So when you look at all of that, I mean, this team is immensely more talented today than it was three years ago. And that's, you know, the, that's the making the most of those draft picks. Now, did we miss on some? Absolutely, we did. On the offensive line, there's still a lot of question marks there about um, the Austin Jacksons. Um, you know, Liam Eichenberg, we'll see what that comes out to be. But for the most part, we've been able to draft serviceable, if not, you know, corner pieces to this franchise. And, you know, that says a lot to Chris Greer and how he's worked that. The fact that we still have, you know, with all of this uh, draft capital that we had moving around, what we did coming into it, um, you know, are still in line to have the most, if not, it's the second most cap space of any team um, going into, you know, the 2022 year. Um, you know, if Flores seems to be the one that's out of sync on all of those levels, then it makes sense that you have to move on from him. Um, you know, I personally, I hope he finds success in the NFL. Um, I will stop and go back and think about, you know, not only last year, but this year we couldn't put together a full 17 or 16 game season. And when I think about a lot of the Dolphins games, we simply didn't put together four full quarters. Um, the Tennessee Titans game was a, uh, was a, you know, a great example in week 17. We were purely outcoached. We were outperformed. We were out game plan. Um, and then, you know, everything falls apart. Uh, a couple mistakes here or there, but we were just outclassed when it came down to it. So, you know, personally, at this point, I would hope that we, we bring in someone who has head coaching experience. I'm tired of running these last little, you know, um, trials with the Philbins and the Gases and the Flores. Um, we've tried that. I think there are too many talented pieces of the puzzle here um, to start up with another brand new head coach, um, you know. Uh, I'm hoping that we can maintain some of the defensive staff, uh, specifically Josh Boyer, uh, to hold down the defense and what's going on there. Um, you know, that would be ideal because I think <laughs> defensively we're very close to being there. And offensively, I don't think we're that many parts away from it. Um, so, you know, it, it, at first glance, this shocked me. It shook me. It took me a little bit back. But the more that I started looking at this and breaking it down, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't just fire Belichick, right? We didn't just fire Tomlin. Um, still a losing record uh, in the combined over the three seasons. Not one playoff appearance. And, um, and more than that, you know, a, a complete uh, lack of what sounds like flexibility or communication um, or collaboration when, you know, with that being considered. I mean, it happened with some players. You heard veteran players talk about it. You heard some of the younger players talk about it. 
Um, Flores definitely has a different way of approaching people, but you know, I've been in management for 20 plus years of my life and it doesn't matter what I, I've managed. I had a mentor of mine once ask me, um, you know, what, what my job was as the manager. And I talked about overseeing these products and production and everything else. And he stopped me quick and he said, no, you're a people manager. And that's all you are. When, when you're a manager, your job or a head coach is to manage, guide, lead, and coach people. And if you do not have that willingness to be open to outside ideas, to be open to collaboration or discussion, um, to which point a lot of what I'm hearing is that a lot of this just fell on deaf ears with Flores. Um, it's not a knock on him as a coach. I mean, I think he's still going to be successful. Um, I think he has some things to learn. Um, I think back to, um, you know, the Josh McDermott, um, you know, days when, when he um, flew out from under Belichick for a little bit and, and had to learn the hard way uh, as a young guy how to, uh, to coach and what, you know, the goods and the bads, the ups and the downs of that. I think Flores has some of that to learn. Um, I think Flores would be, um, you know, he's probably going to get right back up in a head coaching position because what he did get out of this roster was pretty impressive. Um, so uh, I don't think it would hurt for him to fall back in line to a coordinator position and, you know, learn from these mistakes and uh, hopefully rebound and come back stronger than that. But again, man, I wish no ill will. It's just like I said after the Titans game when I saw Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, play well. Um, Tennessee getting the number one seed. I'm happy for Ryan. Um, I appreciate what Flo brought to this team um, and, you know, uh, the, the times that he gave us here to maybe help start to right this ship. So uh, he's a guy that I'll always pull for, look forward for, uh, you know, look at his games and, and see what's happening. There's no ill will. Um, I just guess the more that I step back, and, and I'm still reserving some judgment on this because it's all fresh and new. So, you know, at this point, um, let's see how the rest of this plays out. You know, uh, naive, naive Dolphin fans, right? We thought this might be a little bit quiet until we got to the free agency part of trying to figure out a quarterback. Turns out, you know, first day of the offseason and we're top story again. So um, some things that I see, you know, people talking about Ross, he's the problem. He's the man that created this. He's the issue. Um, I, I can't, you know, I got to tell you, Ross... It strikes me as the guy who wants to win. And I think this move was made relatively pushing toward that. I think enough is enough. And I think that he's not a man who's used to losing in business and is not enjoying it in the world of football. And that it's time to make a stand and just no longer accept this. So um, we'll see which coach comes in. Hopefully we get an offensive-minded coach who can do something with these pieces that we have. Um, and, you know, use this free agency, uh, the free agent money to bring in um, the right kind of veteran leadership on both sides of the ball. They're going to help us grow to that next stage because I don't believe this roster is very far away from being able to compete. I mean, missed the playoffs two years in a row by one game um, and very winnable games across that had we shown up and been ready to play easily could have been in. Does that mean we would have made any kind of noise in the playoffs? No. But it also means that, that, that 
Greer and the front office have done the job of putting the right pieces in place. We just need the right leader to lead us across that. And um, again, not a knock on Flores, but I just don't think he's the right leader at this time. He obviously has differing views on where he wants this franchise to go, um, him as the coach, um, then the owner and the GM, and, you know, play the numbers game. Uh, two to one, right? So uh, that's my most level-headed, you know, spill on this. I'm sure I'll have more as it goes on. Um, I wish Flores nothing but the best. Um, I did appreciate his time, and I think we definitely grew from the year of Philbin and from Gase um, to start getting this right. But our window's really closing at this point. Um, and it's still going to be interesting to see what happens with Tua. Um, you know, as Ross said, he has a ton of, uh, ton of faith in him. But ultimately, that'll come down to the next head coach to put their stamp on this thing. So, Miami Dolphin fans, I'm not going to be leaving you alone during the uh, offseason. Hopefully be coming back on FL teams here with a playoff preview this weekend with uh, EJ who uh, sat in with us and um, did the uh, behind enemy lines with the Titans. So look forward to, um, you know, seeing what the rest of this brings, man. It's just going to slow play. And I think, again, uh, if you can save yourself some sanity, don't go fighting tooth and nail over all this stuff. It's all out of our control at this point. Um, sit back. Watch this process play out. I love that the Dolphins fan base is so passionate. Um, but, you know, you're going to drive yourself nuts. It's going to be a long offseason. And uh, finding the next head coach is only going to be one piece of that puzzle. So, all in all, I appreciate every one of you guys and girls sticking with me through this season. Let me entertain you uh, every week or so uh, with my share, uh, you know, sharing my thoughts on the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to be around through the offseason because Lord knows we're going to have stuff to talk about. Hopefully do a couple of more collabs, um, do some special stuff to fill in that football downtime uh, over at FL Team. So keep an eye out on us over there. Uh, as always, you can make sure to uh, find me on Twitter. That's at jfrog817. Um, love interacting with Dolphin fans, so come on over, give a like, give a listen. Um, so that's my somber Black Monday spill. And uh, be back near the end of this week and, and hopefully put a brighter note looking at some uh, football that still means something instead of worrying about contracts and free agents and hirings and firings and whatnots. So appreciate your time. Um, as always, uh, Jay Frog, uh, look forward to hanging out with you folks again. Fins up. <laughs>